uh, we cl- quite literally talk about health and wellness in this episode, and here I am, sick, just feeling like the complete underbelly of the world here as we start this first, actually, episode 37 of SID Cast. Again, I am sorry about Tuesday talk, guys. I did have something planned, but like I said, I've just been completely thrown out of it by this illness that has just hit me out of left field. And it's apparently affected uh, other teams. I was talking to Zach Shore, and he said that his he was the same way and that his volleyball team was going through some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of illness that was going through their whole entire program. But uh, I do want to congratulate, actually, let's start here. I have a couple things I, I want to talk about. Um... The first being, I want to congratulate some past guests that we have had. And if you follow us on Twitter, like you should, at SportsInfoCast, you will see that we put up a graphic uh, congratulating some former guests on moving to new jobs. Those would be Jason Hendricks, uh, got his job at DePaul. You guys have listened to him three times now on this podcast. Uh, Kyler Ludlow is another one, uh, a Dayton guy who is now up in Ypsilanti uh, on the campus of Eastern Michigan. The final one is Kelvin Quelly's. Moving on over to the University of New Orleans, UNO, I guess is what you could call it, even though there's a University of Nebraska, Omaha, but that's just, they should get together and, and play basketball. It'd be like a fight of UNO or a game of UNO, you know, whatever. I don't know. I say lame stuff sometimes. Uh, but the other one, other point I want to talk about is, uh, and I don't really usually do something like this, but please keep everyone in Texas in your prayers. Uh, Hurricanes are derailing games, but not only, like, this goes beyond college athletics at this point, and this goes straight into what it means to be human and what it means to help. I saw a fantastic picture today, and the caption was, this is a long line. What do you think it's for? Is it for food, for Water, no, it's to volunteer. And I think that the uh, complete reaction of the country is appropriate in the way that everybody has helped one another. And that's something that I really enjoy seeing and I hope to see more of in the future. So if you can, help out any way that you possibly can with with Hurricane Harvey victims. Uh, I know I realize that Houston took a brunt of it and that whole kind of southwest Texas area, but uh, please... Please keep them in your thoughts and prayers at least. And, um, yeah, that's that's about all I have for you today. So we recorded this episode quite a while ago before I moved down here to Evansville uh, permanently. And, uh, like I said, we talked a little bit about health and wellness with Katie Gwynn Hewitt. She was at Tampa and also had an interesting story that kind of led her on up to University of Michigan. I do not want to spoil anything because, guys, it is a good one. And I'm going to let her tell the story. So, and like I kind of mentioned this already, but if you haven't, go ahead and like us over on Facebook and follow us on Twitter using backslash sportsinfocast. And you can also follow us on Instagram at sportsinfocast over there. And you can also email me anytime at sportsinfocast at gmail.com. And you can follow my personal Twitter. I'm going to throw this up here because I didn't say my name, who the heck I was earlier. And I'm sure for, for those of you, if this is your first time, my name is David Gibson. Uh, you can follow me at 
David Gibson underscore XC. I am the student assistant athletic communications guy for the University of Southern Indiana. That's kind of a mouthful of a title, but I have a title. It only took forever to get one. So very, very proud, very, very honored to do something like that. So guys, I will stop talking because I know this one's a little bit of a longer one. We will be back next week with Danny Campbell of Pacific all the way up in Salem, Oregon. Uh, those lucky guys got to see the total eclipse. So I probably will preview something with that. But you guys can uh, definitely look forward to that. And if you haven't already, go ahead and go on over to iTunes, subscribe, and rate and review. Uh, those are things are just incredibly important, and it takes just a split second to do. I know we do have a couple of uh, reviews already, but we're hoping to catch a couple more as we continue to grow our audience and grow all around the country with this community that we have built. So we'll start today with Katie Gwen Hewitt from the University of Michigan. I never thought I would be able to say Michigan, like, go blue on this pod before, but... She is a huge podcast listener, and we will talk about what she actually listens to. Maybe it's not sport-related. Maybe she likes to listen to other things, which is completely fine. And that's where we will start, right here on Sports InfoCast. But your only sport ones that you listen to are this, so that's good. And the 30 for 30. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to 30 for 30 yet. Um, good. So um, let's just start. Uh, let's just go back to the bare bones, like I mentioned before we started pressing record here. How did you get into sport information? I want to know the very, very first point to where you heard of the sport information profession. What was that time like for you? or athletic communications or media relations was um, until I started college. I was um, a softball student athlete at the school that I went to in Florida, St. Leo University, um, Division II, small private Catholic school. Um, and when I, I was a communications major and I had to do a like what they would call a pre-internship. So it was a really small internship before uh, our final internship that was required to graduate. Uh, I had to do a small internship, and I knew that I really liked writing and I really liked sports. So I asked um, our, our softball SID if there was any way that I could um, do anything for my pre-internship within the athletics department. And that's when I, like, was invited into his office and realized there was, like, this whole office of people <laughs> all these crazy things um, that I do now. <laughs> they, uh, this guy's name was Michael Ferrett. He doesn't work as an SID in college athletics anymore, but he's still back in Tampa. He works for the Tampa Bay Sports Commission, and um, he was so awesome. And he, so he gave me an opportunity to do my pre-internship. Um, and I was able to write, like, feature stories for our website at the time. So that was my first, like, introduction, I guess. 
Was there any point in that kind of pre-internship that you felt maybe a little bit overwhelmed when you first got into sports information? Um, not at that point. I was I was mostly just writing. Um, but then when the internship ended, I stayed on as like a volunteer. Our, our work study and like our student employment um, like rules at my school were a little weird, and so right. I had a campus, so I couldn't have another one. So. But I really liked what I was doing, so they let me, like, volunteer, basically. Um, and then I started working more events, and then I started learning more about what all they did, like, in the office every day. And then that's, at that point, I was like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> How did you get up to Michigan, and what was the jump like from when you were at, like you said, small college, Florida, uh, D2, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, go blue. Um, what, what Was there any sort of culture shock maybe or any atmosphere changes as far as when you had to switch those jobs? Um, yeah, I mean, my, so my path is like probably the craziest path that I've ever heard of. And I never heard anyone tell me anything like more weird in terms of how they got to the job there now, but um, so after a year working at, um, at my alma mater at St. Rio, I, I became a high school teacher, a high school English teacher, just kind of out of nowhere. And it was like the craziest, most awesome year of my life that I did that. Um, and I, cause I just knew that I knew that I, I wasn't in a good place, but I wasn't really sure why, you know, this was something that I like enjoyed for the most part, but I was just really miserable. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I knew that I just needed a change of scenery to kind of figure out my life and like where it was going. And this was just a year after I graduated. So, I mean, still pretty early in my professional career. I, I knew that I could make some rash decisions at that point. And, and totally be fine. So um, I quit. And <laughs> an English teacher, and that year was teaching high school English. Um, I was, uh, it was really awesome. I was able to work part time as an SID at the University of Tampa with Tom Colby, and so that kind of like kept me fresh, um, kept my foot in the door, really in this business. And at the end of that year, I was like, you know what? I need to be back in college athletics. I need to be back on a college campus. And this is what I wanted. It just wasn't the fit before. It just wasn't right. Mm -hmm. um, and so kind of like another strange turn of events at the end of that year, I was invited back to St. Leo to work in like a career services, more of like a student services type role. Um, and so I, I jumped at that opportunity, just knowing that I need to be back on a college campus. And then, like, three months later, I got a call from Michigan, and it was just completely out of the blue. It was, like, September, um, and they needed a volleyball and baseball SID, which were, like, two of my strongest sports I was strongest with. So I, that happened. I really have no idea, even looking back now, how, like, how, pos how possible that was or how impossible it was. But I was offered the position at Michigan, and... Um, yeah, it's been great. The the jump has been interesting. I think I think a lot of people at Division Two have a perspective of 
you know, Division One is, is a lot bigger or maybe there's a lot more media attention and it's just very different. And I think people in Division One uh, also have the same, you know, thoughts, um, perspective of, like, thinking about Division Two. It's, like, lower class or something like that. Um, but my job has really just been the same. I, I mean, I answer to, a, like, a lot more media um and I do it with some of the, the country's absolute best student-athletes, just being at such a high-caliber university. But, I mean, pretty much my day-to-day is the same. And that was probably the biggest surprise to me, was that, I mean, because I had just heard, you know, so many people's thoughts on what it would be like to work at, like, a big Power 5 Division One school. And it is awesome, but my day-to-day job is pretty much the same, so... Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple of things of, of what you said there. And I want to go back to kind of when you were a teacher. Uh, we've had several coaching SID hybrids on the show, but never before have we had a teacher slash SID-ish type of deal. So what was it like having that kind of English teacher load along with, um, you know, like you said, helping out with Tampa uh, how did you balance those duties? How did you balance? What was your life like at that point? So during that time, I was also finishing up my master's degree. Oh. So I had two jobs. Full-time, I mentioned this in the, a recent like YP Sports chat. I had full-time job, part-time job, and I was a full-time student. But I've always like I've always just liked working. And I like to be busy. And so I was really lucky that Tom at Tampa, like, had such an opportunity available and, and selected me to, to have that opportunity. And he was so flexible with, you know, my schedule. But the best part, I think, about being a teacher was that it was Monday through Friday. And mm-hmm. it was, like, 7.30 in the morning to 3.30 in the afternoon. And obviously there was a lot of work outside of that. I mean, my mom is a teacher, two of my best friends are teachers, and they just work so tremendously hard outside of the, like, typical hours of the day, but I had pretty much, you know, free nights and weekends to be able to do what I wanted and to manage my own time however I saw fit, so it was, I mean, it was a tough balance. It was probably the hardest year that I've ever had in my whole life, but it was well worth it, and it was just so so much fun and so uh, rewarding and challenging, but it was really cool. Yeah, I know there's, whenever I tell people I'm a, I was an English teacher, they're always, like, confused. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just real quick, were there any SID skills or maybe any, uh, you know, workplace habits that you had that translated to the classroom and maybe even vice versa that you took from the classroom, maybe some things that you learned that you uh, brought to the workplace? Sure. I mean, I think time management was one of them. Um, Not just managing time, like, in a classroom, but managing time outside of it and and preparation and grading papers was very time-consuming, but it has to get done just like, you know, media guides and game notes are very time-consuming, but have to be done. Um, I also think one of the interesting things about being a teacher was that I had to serve multiple audiences, just like a lot of our SID counterparts do. Um, I mean, I was working with students of all different 
learning abilities and learning disabilities and um, grade levels and reading levels and, and writing levels and stuff like that. Uh, but I was also working with their parents or with whoever, whatever guidance counselor that they were assigned to or just so many different people. Um, and I had to, I had to do that all with, you know, very politically correct uh-huh. <laughs> way, of, way of working. And I think that's a lot very similar to what people in like athletic communications do. They're constantly serving their audiences and um, there's a lot of audiences that they're trying to deliver their message, message to. So like, it's really cool. Uh, I'm just curious if somebody asked, uh, you know, what else do you do when, while you were teaching and you had to explain them to an S what an SID was, uh, maybe even do that now. Uh, how do you explain what you do to your maybe friends, peers, family? Uh, well, I mostly just kind of brush over it. <laughs> um, cause it's obviously a lot to explain, but I would just tell people that I worked, um, for the University of Tampa, I worked with the baseball and volleyball teams, and obviously my, um, as like a part-time person and part-time employee there, my responsibilities were very different, I think, than what what they are now, be, serving as like a full-time person, and I mean, at Tampa, I pretty much worked game day, I was more of like a game day person, now I'm not, I'm like a 90-hour-a-week person. Um, but, but even now, I just tell them that pretty much everything that they see on the internet or um, on social media, on any, like, Michigan website that's about the volleyball and baseball teams, I've probably had some sort of hand in it. And then if you're at a volleyball match or a baseball game, I'm the one uh, handling everything from the stats to the post-game interviews to the social media to managing, making sure the scoreboard's right, stuff like that. So I mostly just brush over it and give them the, <laughs> the general specific responsibilities. Well, you mentioned a little bit earlier that when you uh, got the interview for Michigan, uh, they said volleyball and baseball, which were two of your strong suits. Um, is that important? I'm just curious, in the job-seeking realm, to kind of – maybe gear your search more towards what you're strongest at or maybe even do you just take on some sports that maybe you're not so strong at and maybe that you're completely new to um i think and i i see this a lot with people who are just beginning they probably have a lot of experiences with a lot of different sports um and so if they're trying to get like that first GA position or that first full-time position or maybe even that first position within like a, a larger school then they'll just go with something they'll just go with any sport you know whatever they can to get their foot in the door but um I think as people progress in their careers they want to stick with the sports that they've stuck with you know so if you're like the men's basketball contact at a, a smaller school maybe you work your way up to being a men's basketball contact at a larger school same with football or I think it's mostly those bigger higher level sports higher tier sports revenue sports whatever we're calling them these days but um I like baseball and I like volleyball and because it, it was just kind of like a perfect fit uh, what was the move like, you know, having to uproot your life from Florida and then have to go all the way up to Ann Arbor, Michigan? I mean, what what was that whole process like? Um, yeah, so that probably took a 
probably goes back into the strange path uh, category um, tale of events for me. So um, a few months before I got, I was approached about the position at Michigan, I got engaged, which was, you know, to the love of my life, we're happily married now. Um, my husband, Matt, we had just gotten engaged and we um, were planning our, our wedding for the end of the year. So 2015, December of 2015. Um, and I got that call in September and started in October. So I ended up moving by myself to Michigan. And then I went back in December, got to Florida, got married, went back to Michigan to start, you know, baseball season. And then my husband moved in March. So we ended up living together or living without each other for six months. So that was like a crazy element of the move. And then um, I've never not lived in Florida. So moving to Michigan, I've never had a winter before. <laughs> um, that was like a crazy experience to have snow for the first time. Really never seen snow. I had definitely never driven in snow, so it was a lot of trial by error. I ended up on a median one time um, <laughs> with my car. <laughs> I flew to a curb like twice, but I think I've gotten the hang of it. So, but yeah, it was a challenge. Um, I'm not one. I'm not big on comfort zones, but there's a there's kind of a different set feeling of comfort living with your family. And both Matthew and my family live in Florida. So moving away from our families that we've always lived near was definitely difficult, especially when you get into the holidays and like Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff like that. And uh, so that was a challenge, but I've always been scared of living in the same place for the rest of my life. Like that's been a big fear of mine. I think the world's a really big place. So I want to experience, of, uh, you know, as much of it as I can. So it was actually even though it was difficult and challenging, moving to a new place has been awesome. And I was really excited for it. And I'm still excited to have new experiences here. There may be some SIDs out there who, you know, did just get engaged or maybe they are engaged and they have to move away from like what you had to do their fiance for an X number of time. And uh, six months is a long time. And uh, How did you, how did the both of you, uh, you know, kind of have to work through what you had to do as far as your job was concerned just to make it work? Yeah, it was definitely, I mean, it was, first of all, it was unexpected. We, you know, we talked about the position and as I was interviewing for it, you know, Matt didn't really want to make a decision either way until I was offered the position. But obviously, you know, things moved pretty quickly and the volleyball season had already started. Um, so, so things were moving fast, um, and then we just kept saying, like, you know, it's really not great timing. It's really not great timing. And um, I'm big on, like, not having any regrets when I die. So I was like, you know what, when I look back on my life, I don't want to say I, I missed out on a great opportunity because it wasn't a good time for me or for us. And we knew that we were going to get we were going to get married. We knew that we were going to be together. So... Six months is a long time, but when you're, you know, hopefully we make it to like 80 or 90 years old, <laughs> it's going to feel like a long time. So, um, yeah, it was tough, and like the timing wasn't perfect. And I mean, Matt 
probably made more sacrifices than I did. I took, we have a dog and a cat. I took both of them with me. He had to move back in with his parents just so that we could, you know, stay financially safe um, so that we weren't paying for two apartments as opposed to one because we had, you know, pretty much combined our finances by that point. Um, And so he made a lot of sacrifices and... I mean, he had to go, just like I had to go without him for six months, he had to go without me for six months. So I tried to, we tried to always keep each other in perspective. And um, it was tough, but now that he does live in Michigan and we we are, you know, together all the time, the six months feels like it was like two days, you know, looking back. It's always hard when you're in it, but looking back, it's always shorter than it felt. So it was, it was challenging, but. It was worth it. Okay, perfect advice. Uh, so, sparkles in sport. We talked to Liv Coro. Oh, God. That was probably – was that May or April? I don't know when we had her on, but we, we talked about this a little bit. But it would touch on this yet again for those that, you know, listening for the first time and maybe don't know what it is. How did it get started, and, and what was kind of your guys' vision behind it? So, um, I was at Michigan already when we kind of came up with the idea um but I just I just I don't know if I was texting her maybe I called her but we were talking one day and Olivia and I met when we were both working in Florida um and there were a few female SIDs in our conference but not many uh, and I think that's probably part for the course especially at uh, some smaller schools like the ones that we were working at um but I was talking to her one day, and I was kind of just curious, like, you know, who is your mentor? Like, who do you go to when you have a question about your career path or how to handle a certain situation? You know, do you still talk to people that you used to work with, or do you have anyone, like, somebody that I don't know about type deal? Um, and the more we started talking, the more we realized that we really never had like a true mentor type person and we certainly didn't have one that was a woman um so we started talking about you know we have never really had anyone give us advice on hey you're engaged but you're moving across the country and your husband your you know fiance who's a dude is staying behind like how do you navigate the changing like waters of um who's the breadwinner in the house and who makes the most money and and stuff like that, or who works the most. And so we really never had anybody to guide us through like, what's it like to be married and maybe have children and do this job. Um, And the more we talked about not having the, 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 that voice or that mentor or that, you know, guiding person in our lives, the more we realized that we couldn't let future women in this profession not have anyone to give them advice um and so it kind of just started as like this conversation about something that we lacked and then we i mean hopefully we have turned into something that other women can see as a resource and that was the whole point was to really provide resources and advice and insight to women in this profession because there's really not a ton of strong female role models for them to look up to. Um, and there certainly are strong female role models. They're just fewer and further between, I think. 
Um, and those people are busy, so it's hard maybe to make those people a true mentor or to even meet them or connect with them. So I tried to make something that was a little bit more accessible. What was the uh, reception like when you first started as opposed to what it is now? Um, you know, I think when we first started, there was there was a lot of positive feedback. Um, we started on a different site that wasn't as user-friendly. Um, we've kind of grown into, a, you know, a different site, and we're looking to hire people. Probably when this airs, we'll have people, we'll have a, an expanded staff, which is really cool. Um, when I first started, it was, I think it was more, people had more, like, an interest in it. They were like, oh, that's cool, or that might be, that's a good idea, or I can't wait to see, like, how it becomes. And now, it's just totally different. I mean, we talk about it all the time, like, we never anticipated that so many people would have such positive feedback and that, you know, we weren't doing it to become famous, or, or right, not that we are famous, but we weren't doing it. <laughs> For ourselves really we were doing it for other people and um it's really humbling to hear like very frequent feedback from people that we don't know even saying you know thanks for doing this or i really like this post um i can really identify with this at this point in my life so it's become you know more of a, a real I think resource to people as opposed to when it just started, it was, you know, this idea and this thing that we were doing and we're hoping that it, uh, takes roots and takes wings at the same time. So it's been great. What about content? Well, I mean, do you guys get user submitted questions, you know, ideas for posts? I mean, how does all that come about? topics to be covered we've also gotten a few people reaching out to us saying you know i have this perspective and i have had this experience and i would really like to write about it and then you know we talk about it and is it a good fit and is that going to help people and the answer is usually yes because there's so many people out there in the world with different experiences um but a lot of the times it's just kind of things that are happening to us and so that was the goal behind expanding our staff was to have different perspectives um, than just Olivia and I because we have the same job, basically. So how can we um, impact other people that maybe don't work as SIDs because that seems to be our general audience currently. Um, but there's so many women that work in athletics that need guidance that, you know, hopefully we can provide guidance to or, or our staff can provide guidance to. But at this point, our, our ideas for content are mostly just things that we think of or that other people bring to our attention. I want to talk a little bit about uh, maybe some Twitter chats, maybe some other resources. But I know that you mentioned earlier you participated in YP Sports Chat. And you also hosted a side of chat a little uh, there a couple weeks ago, uh, and I'm sure it was more than a month ago at the time that this airs, which is weird to think about. But um, I want to know why is it important to participate in those types of things, and, and why someone who isn't right now definitely should. Uh, I think it's just a great way to meet people who have the same interests as you, and. Um, Yes, it's a networking tool. I mean, I, I would never want to take that away. But when you're when you're in a Twitter chat and you're participating with like-minded people, it doesn't feel like networking. 
and that's really important to me. I am not very formal. I do not do well in formal networking situations. I'm extremely introverted. I, I do not enjoy that. Um, but it, it really is important to, you know, build connections, maintain those connections. But when you're talking to people, you know, through a chat, you're not, it doesn't feel like networking. Um, you're sharing your ideas, you're hearing other people's ideas, and it's just this really cool flow of conversation and uh, different topics, and it's a really enjoyable hour that you probably were just going to be watching TV anyways, because it's at 9 p.m. on Tuesday or 9 p.m. on a Monday or whatever. Um, like, not super busy days of the week, especially um, when college athletics are even in full swing. So it's just a fun way to like meet new people and connect with new people and I've met so many people on Twitter that my mom finds it so weird that I'm like well that's my Twitter friend like that's somebody that I met on Twitter but I don't know in real life but it you really do you really are making a connection with somebody and that like for me for someone who hates networking and really dreads like the concept of networking is like a really cool way to still you know do it and to still build your network. I like how you, how you just mentioned uh, what what you just said there about meeting somebody on Twitter. Um, you know, I've I've talked to people before that that say, uh, "Do you know so and so?" And I would say, "Yeah, yeah." And they go, "Well, where do you know them?" I'm like, "Well, we go back and forth on Twitter a lot." I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, is that okay to have? I mean, how do you justify kind of a Twitter relationship, especially when it's kind of um, you know peer, maybe you know organization related like that? I realize that it sounds. But I have made so many connections on Twitter that, that are better friends in cyberspace than I have in real life. Like, and I think, you know, as technology is changing and, and like, even online dating is, like, normal now, why can't online friendships be normal? Like, it sounds silly, but, <laughs> like, like, I just, I really have just met so many people online that I have been able to connect with and like build a solid friendship with and then I meet them at Kofaito or whatever or I'm traveling for work and I meet them along the way and it's just like you feel like you have an even stronger friendship and like a stronger connection when you can physically meet in person but it doesn't always have to be that way you know sometimes it doesn't work out um but it also I think it also makes this profession more fun to know more people and to have, you know, channel connections with people. Um, because like I said, if, if you're traveling, there's more people to see along the way, but it also creates like, it creates a, a community. And I think that's what a lot of what like Kosida connected is attempting to do is build like a community of people, especially, you know, strong, hardworking, creative, awesome people. Um, and like, who better to be friends with than people that have the same interests as you, you know? So it's a, I think it's perfectly fine. I, it is weird to explain to people sometimes, but like I said, if people are online dating and that's acceptable, then so should like online networking and relationship building be acceptable. I'm glad you said all that because I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, especially when, uh, people start asking me how I know different people, but, um, yeah, I, I now have something to say. So, um, I want to know 
how you got involved in CyberChat. Uh, and then we'll get to what your content was about. Maybe the chat was about here in a little bit. But uh, what was it like, first of all, hosting a Twitter chat? Um, it was really cool. I've known Kelvin for a while. Um, also worked in the same conference that Olivia and I worked in, the Ascension State Conference in Florida. Um, and so I knew he, was, he had this, this cool thing that he was doing on his chat that he started, and I thought it was awesome. Uh, and when he invited me to to moderate the chat, I was extremely humbled and excited. Um, but I never done it for, and I never done it. So doing it for the first time was was pretty cool. I'm very um, organized. I'm very Type A. So I wrote out all my questions beforehand, knowing that I would change them if the conversation flowed in a different direction. Um, but they didn't, so I applaud myself for that one. But, um, no, it was really cool. I, I didn't really know what to expect because I had never done it before, but I'm really glad that I did it. It was a very cool experience. And I feel bad that they have to do that, like, every week. <laughs> it was hard. I couldn't participate in the conversation because there was so much going on. So. Okay, so, but your, uh, your chat was about, you know, health and wellness. First of all, how important is that to you in, in your personal life? Uh, so it's extremely important, and it's something that I constantly fail at. So I, I was a student athlete in college, and my whole life, uh, I, was just, I don't want to say I was really athletic, but I was really in shape, I guess would be a good way to say it. Um, and I also have asthma, so it's really important for me to stay healthy and stay in shape. Um, and so in my daily life, I'm not the best at eating healthy or working out or whatever, but it's, it's something that I strive to be good at, which is created the Runkeeper community, um, because Olivia is on this fitness journey. Um, she enjoys running. I also enjoy running. It's really important for me to be, um, um, so we created this app. We didn't create the app, sorry. We created the, the community on using the Runkeeper app, and we um, have the support of the COSIDA like Health and Wellness Committee, so they have been plugging it, and so many people have been interested and in wanting to join, so it kind of it's kind of like an accountability thing, and that's really why I started it, was I was like, Olivia, you need to keep me accountable. I am so good at saying, like, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, even though it's important to me, it's very easy, especially with our schedules to be like, you know what, it's really not going to work out today. I'm too busy or I have more work to do or whatever. So it's been this really cool accountability thing. Um, and I think that that has kind of rejuvenated people, um, within our community. And as we've been sharing it on Twitter and you know, you mentioned we talked about it in the side of chat. It kind of brought people um, together because it's something that I think every person struggles with, even like professional athletes, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a really cool chat and a really cool opportunity. And I'm really thankful that Kelvin asked me to do it and had me do it. I'm really thankful people participated and saw value in it. What is the easiest way to, to you know, because uh, I'm guilty of it too, to 
stop themselves from saying, you know, I'll just do it tomorrow? What's the easiest way to combat that thinking? For me, it's been putting it in my calendar. Um, obviously, everyone has, like, a different way of doing things. I, If I put it in my calendar, I'm more likely to do it. And I've just found that just because of the way that I live by my calendar. Um, some people like to just get it done in the morning so that they don't have to worry about it and it's done and over with. I have this, like, really good relationship with my bed that I don't want you know, break up with in the morning. So... Even though I used to be really good about working out in the morning, I am not so good at doing it anymore. So putting it on my calendar is really important to me. And I think also um, a good way to kind of stay on track is to not have, like, too high of expectations. Like, when I get in a fitness frenzy, I'm like, I'm going to work out every day. But that's not realistic. You can't go from zero to 100 and find success with that or expect yourself to be... Um, safe and to not get hurt or anything like that or not be burnt out. So just having realistic expectations and, I mean, being healthy for you is probably different than what it is for me or, or whoever, but, like, working out four times a week is great. You don't have to do it every day. So fitting it in when you can and then saying, you know what, I'm only doing this four times this week. I'm not doing it seven times, so I need to hold myself accountable. You just kind of mentioned it there for a little bit. Burnout. Um, People do it in the workplace. It's a very, very real thing when you're working out as well. I mean, in in your opinion, what what is what are some simple ways that people and you kind of mentioned it there uh, to not, you know, have too high of expectations, but at the same time, kind of strive for your fitness goal, uh, obviously. So what, what is some real basic ways that people cannot get burnt out while they're uh, working as well as working out? Um, I think it's just to, to always, like, save time for yourself. Um, I, I'm extremely guilty of taking my work home. I really enjoy working at home, which is probably the problem. Um, but I'm also, you know, not afraid to be like, you know what, it's Monday, and I'm not going to do anything else after I go home. Uh, I'm going to, like, eat what I want or watch TV or catch up on my reading or, like, take a walk with my dog because I haven't seen her in three days or whatever. I think it's just, it's about balance and and saying, and and understanding that it's okay to, like, not be working all the time. Um, And, like I said, I'm really guilty of of working probably too much and too often and, and in places like my home that I probably shouldn't be. Um, but I do know and having a significant other has also, you know, shown me that it's okay to, to just sit back and like enjoy time with my person and my family of pets that we have. Um, and just kind of relax because a, a lot of your work is probably not due tomorrow. I think we all have, these long to-do lists that are like, you know, weeks, maybe even months deep, or, you know, we have things that are are on the to-do list, but they're not necessarily due immediately. You know, you can work on them over time. So I'm also big on being like, you know what, I started this, but it's not due tomorrow. So I can finish it in the morning. Um, And just knowing like, 
you don't have to work 24-7 in order to be successful. There's plenty of people who aren't working 24-7 who are super successful. So if you put in the effort and you put in the work when you are working, then you're free to give yourself some time to do other things in your own time. I would like to transition to the part of the interview where I like to ask fun questions. This is my personal, well, actually the, uh, the whole interview is actually my personal favorite, but if I had any favorite, it would be this part. So, um, favorite memory in your professional tenure. Oh my gosh. So this is pretty recent and I will like never forget it, but our baseball team at the end of every win they have, um, it's kind of like a, an award, if that sounds really cheesy. Um, but in my first year, there was two of them. It was like the fighter of the game, and then there was what they called the link, L-I-N-K. And the link was the person in, of the game that you could not have won the game without. And um, I mean, it's pretty much just for players. And we had a game and we were the away team, so we were at a different school, um, and the umpires didn't know a specific rule, and it's it's a rule that's completely different in Major League Baseball, in high school baseball, in Little League Baseball, and, like, only college baseball has this rule for a DH that goes into pitch, um, and we had that situation. So our umpires um, and our coaches were arguing, both coaches were on the field you know, arguing, and they were saying in a roundabout way that our pitcher would now have to bat because the player who came in previously was, like, out of the game based on their substitution rule. And so I was like, well, I have a rule book, and we've done this move, you know, a few hundred times now because it was late in the season. And so I brought my rule book down, and I showed the umpires, and they were like, okay, that guy's good to go, and it was solved in a matter of minutes which was so, like, uncharacteristic of me to just walk down and, and be like, this is uh, the rule. Um, but at the end of the game, our coach gave me the link, and it was, like, really silly, and I wasn't expecting that, and I was like, please don't do that. But it was a really cool um, moment because he felt like I impacted the, the outcome of the game, which is something that SIDs don't do. Like, we always say, you know, we do all of this stuff, but we have no, we have no control over the wins and the losses. But we won, so that's pretty cool. We just talked about your favorite memory in your professional tenure. So how about on the other side of the coin? What's your uh, biggest horror story? My biggest horror story. Um. So when I was working at St. Leo, we uh, so it's a small shop, small school. So our department was in charge of a lot of this stuff for producing and, like, making the end-of-the-year banquet happen. Um, and so I had been – it was the day before the banquet. I had been working really late on this video, um, just extremely late. It, and I have, like, never pulled an all-nighter in my life. It's something that I, I cannot do. Um, and I had just been up until, like, 5 in the morning and – I was like, you know what, I have to sleep for like 20 minutes or something. Like, I have to take a nap before I go into work. Um, and my alarm didn't go off. So, it was like the worst wake-up I've ever had. 
watch the video because I had stayed up late, but I hadn't finished it. Um, and it, everything ended up working out, but it was like the most embarrassing. Like I was, I was like crying because I was like, everyone's counting on me and I said I would do this. And I was just so upset with myself. So now if I have something that's due the next day, I will do it. <laughs> like I will stay up until like seven. I won't, won't usually have to stay up that late, but if it's due, I don't leave the chance to the alarm clock because it screwed me before. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a horror story from your teaching days? Um, two kids almost got into a fight in my classroom, <laughs> but they did it. So I, I will say that as like a success, even though it was horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession. One thing that I really struggle at that I would like to be better at is public speaking. Um, and I know that if I ever have the opportunity to like lead a group of people and move up and into a higher position, then I'll need to have better, uh, that I need that to be a better skill. Uh, I re that's something I really struggle with. Um, I just get really nervous. I don't know why. Um, so that's probably one of them. And I mean, Photoshop is like one of those programs that you can never know everything. So I'm always willing to learn more. But I think where I would like to learn more is more of the uh, video production um, programs like After Effects and stuff like that. Uh, one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession. One of the things that I did before I graduated was I attended Poseida. Um, the junior, the summer between my junior year and my senior year, I attended, and I it was really strange because I had no idea what what to expect. Um, and I, like I said, like I wasn't, I wasn't graduated yet, so. Um, I really was able to take it as like a learning experience and use the sessions as like resources for learning. Um, but I made so many connections just at that convention before I graduated, um, that when I graduated, I was able to have a position lined up. So, I mean, I'm not saying for sure that that will happen, but if you have the opportunity to go, go. Okay, so uh, when you look around, maybe in the Big Ten, maybe in the NCAA, in the division, uh, it doesn't really matter. But uh, you look at an athletic communications professional and you say, you know, that is a good SID. What are some things that they do or maybe some characteristics that they have to make you say that? Um, really, it's just people that, I, that are good at their jobs. <laughs> um, I, I really value who like answer emails even just little things like answer emails um on time in a, in a nice manner as opposed to like being quick or short or, or something like that um but like i so i travel a lot with my job so i meet a lot of the sids that i work with which i know um a lot of people don't have the opportunity to travel as much as i do um but when i when i go to a school and i like can tell that everything is completely under control, that's what I consider a good SID. And yeah, there's things that pop up and sometimes your computer freezes, 
you know, when you're standing a volleyball match, which is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> but it's the people, it's the SIDs who, like, just take it in stride and figure it out. Those are the people that I consider really good SIDs and people that I would, you know, I would talk about, like, freely as how great they are. Work-life balance. What do you do to have fun? Well, so I really enjoy working. Um, like, that's such a, a lame answer, but I love working. Um, and so I'm really lucky to have a husband that, like, lets me like working. But I I read a lot, and I, uh, I listen to podcasts. I think that really grounds me. I listen to, like I said, a lot of true crime podcasts. Um, kind of keeps me interested and not always thinking about my job. How important is that to kind of get escape from that kind of mind of thinking to where, you know, you're always thinking about, but I'm the same way. I, I just, I don't know why I can't explain it, but I do like working. I don't know why, but, um, how important is it to kind of disconnect just real quick? I mean, I think it's extremely important to have other interests and other passions besides, besides your work because and our profession is so like it's such a fun job working with student athletes and winning is like a really cool thing that you're a part of when you're in SID or you work in any other aspect of um, athletics but like having your own interest and being able to kind of unplug from your you know your work life is like a really cool thing and that's what makes you 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 don't want to get lost in your work and only be an SID, like you have to have other components about you so that you don't lose yourself. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. If anybody, you know, wanted to get in touch with you, maybe follow up after this show with you, maybe a networking opportunity with you, what would be the best way to do it? I mean, you can always email me. Um, I don't know if you want me to get on my email address? Yeah, sure. So my email is A-K-G-W-I-N-N at U-M-I-C-H dot E-D-U and I'm always available on Twitter um, uh, you know if someone wants to connect with me in any of those mediums I would be happy to give them my phone number um, and they can text me or call me or anything like that I think Olivia and I take a serious um, like responsibility of always being available for people if they have questions um we might not get back to you, you know, within 30 minutes or whatever, but we'll always make time, and that's something that's really important to us. And real quick, uh, give a little bit of a plug for Sparkles and Sport. If you don't, you know, if you have a question about this profession um, in your life, then we've probably answered it in some way, shape, or form on sparklesandsports.com, and if not, then you need to tell us so that we can answer it. All right, perfect. That was episode 37 of SID Cast. Katie, thank you for coming on. It wasn't too bad, was it? This was your first podcast appearance. No, it was great. Thank you, David, for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. And thank you, everyone else, for uh, who's downloaded and subscribed to this podcast. Uh, if you haven't already, go ahead and do that. Um, and when you get the chance, go ahead and leave us a rating or review. Next week, we will have Danny from Pacific. as in Oregon, actually. Uh, he will be on the pod the week after that. I'm keeping it a mystery because I don't know who's coming on after that. So uh, we will we will definitely hold on for that. So if anybody, you know, if you want to be on the show, 
If you want to volunteer for somebody to be on the show, that's perfectly fine. You can email me at sportsinfocast at gmail.com. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. We're winding down kind of our summer goals, our, our summer campaign to 500 followers on both Twitter and Facebook. And you can follow us at Sports Infocast on both of those because SIDcast is already taken. So, uh, And our finally, I keep forgetting to mention this, and I, and I keep wanting to like facepalm at the end of each episode, but our website is sidcast.fireside.com. F-I-R-E-S-I-D-E dot F-M, like the radio. And then if you're looking for a specific episode, you go, you know, backslash and then whatever number episode you're looking for. So uh, thank you all for listening, and we hope to catch you all in the next episode.